Hello everybody and welcome to the third episode of Trans Lobby. My name is Jen Ives. And my name is P. Deneen. Hi Piss Pigs. Today we're going to be talking about the 1994 film Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Alrighty then. Very good, Jen. Alrighty then. <laughs> Alrighty then. So hi P, how was your week? My week was broadly fine. How was yours? It was, I was trying to think, what's the opposite of broad? Is there a... Uh, Narrowly? Fine. <laughs> Narrowly fine. Slimly fine is your, uh, is your blues singer name, isn't it? That's, it's, my, uh, it's my name on Tinder. <laughs> Slimly <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> I wish I was slim. Do you know what? Like, I saw a photo today of myself from a recent gig, and I was like... I need to stop eating for a while. That's <laughs> I, um, fake. I've had... That's a lie. You need to eat more, if anything. Jan is now holding up a book called The Chromosomes by M.J.D. White. And it looks like it was published in sort of 1956. And she found it in an old library and it's going to serve <laughs> as the portal to an enchanted world. It was published earlier than that. I think the first publishing of it was 1937. Uh, it's all about chromosomes. <laughs> where did you find that edition and why do you have it? So I bought it from an Oxfam bookshop. It was about £3. And it just caught my eye. I just thought, oh, the chromosomes. Maybe it's time for me to learn about how they all work. Finally, get on board with this biology thing. You know, so many people are always telling me, oh, you'll never be a real woman. Your biology's all wrong. So I thought, I'll read about it. <laughs> but I'll read about it from a very dated point of view. Like... <laughs> old science i only read yeah. old science <laughs> that's what they tell us and then they say because biology is what essential that's quite yeah, a, a fine though i do find that as trans women like whenever you encounter anything that has anything to do with hormones or chromosomes or like development you're kind of some way invested in it or you kind of almost have to assume a position of authority that you may not deserve but I feel entitled to after what I've been through, you know, I, I think like nearly three years on a waiting list entitles me to more of a say on a discussionary hormones than your average person. For sure. Yeah, we do have to sort of become experts a little bit like, well, not experts, but I know way more about gametes and XXY and all the variables and stuff than than most people do. And I don't even want to know it. You know, I find it really boring. Um, but I do know about it. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, does it? It's not about that, is it? It's about your spirit, Pete. It's about your spirit. <laughs> your little ghost that lives inside you. You've got like a little female ghost inside you. And it's like, Woo-hoo. I love the idea of me as a little female ghost. Oh, I would haunt the fuck out of people. Scientologists call them phaetons. And that's what you've got, Pete. You've got like a million female phaetons in you. And you need to get rid of them. You need to... <laughs> Have Do I not stress test? What have you been doing this week, P? Tell me about it. I got my first vaccine shot. I thought you were going to say your first period. I was going to say finally, P. Congratulations! Remember, I'm a nice woman. Got... No, <laughs> I'm a I got... woman now, Mama. <laughs> I got my first <laughs> vaccine shot, and I got it from uh, the doctor. Was an old family friend, and I'm aware I sound like a kind of like a shit Woody Allen character, like the physician's an old family friend. But I, uh, yeah, we went over to his house because he got in touch to, to offer me an appointment, which was really kind of him. And he genuinely didn't recognize me. I hadn't seen this guy in years. 
and he did not he just thought i was some woman racking up for an appointment it was incredibly affirming and then he was kind of showing who's me this woman who's this woman yeah. i've never seen this, this woman tall, before broad with the suspiciously large hands from a medical point of view i'm intrigued but he then who's this fucking broad over here he then started me like he felt obliged to kind of like act as a host and you could sort of tell he was a little flustered so he was sort of like showing around us around his house which was like where the practice is based out of and at one point there's like a uh, i was made wait for like 15 minutes after the shot just to make sure i i didn't faint or anything and he just came out with um a fold-up brompton bicycle folded up and just placed it down and kind of gestured to it with his head and went yeah I, I use it to get everywhere now. Couldn't imagine my life without it. A steel. A steel. I went to Slane to pick it up. And I was kind of nodding around. And I got to use the phrase, it's a nifty little thing. I was delighted with myself. It's always good to say it's a nifty little thing. I'm always looking for opportunities to say that. That's lovely that you had an opportunity to do that. Yeah, usually I just say it quietly to myself before I talk. <laughs> Love that. I'm disappointed in you though for not fainting. You could have really made a show of it if you wanted to. I thought you were a I thought you were a dramateur or whatever. You should have should have given it a go. You should have gone, Oh my, the vapors. <laughs> yeah, I really over. like the idea of kind of adorning my forehead with the back of my wrist like a, a damsel <laughs> from the early twentieth century, you know. Yeah, holding like a handkerchief up to your face and then just Yeah, I want some smelling over. salts to revive me. <laughs> But no, I'm made of stony stuff. No faint in here. Just a really, yeah. really sore arm and some fatigue. Only the kiss, only love's true kiss from a Brompton-owning doctor will awaken you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting, though. I, I had a vaccine a, a little while ago. Um, yeah, you had yours ages ago. Like you, I it feel wasn't like that you, got, long you were ago. one of the first people, like, obviously you live in a different country to me, so this is the reason. But you were probably the first person within my age group who I know that got one. Like, are you still awaiting yeah. your second vac? I've got it in front of me now. Uh, not the shot, but the appointment. It's... Oh, it doesn't actually say it. It's just a card to say that I've had it done. It's like next month, I think. Is my so next is mine. One. Mine's in exactly four weeks. I might be fully vaxxed before you. And we'll see who's it laughing. might be. I really enjoyed it. You know, like, the woman who did my injection, she was really nice. And, like, she just did it quick and it didn't hurt well, it hurt a little bit but it didn't which, hurt that much which major medical procedure that you've had this year did you prefer your first dose of covid vaccine or your breast augmentation i definitely preferred the breast augmentation i um i would i'm not I was necessarily given choice i'm not necessarily talking about the end results i'm talking about the process how you're treated yeah no the process as well because i got like when you have that done they give you like soup and stuff and toast and juice that's <laughs> why it costs so that. much yeah that is why it costs so much you don't get any of that when you uh go for your vaccine they give you a bottle of water if you want it they don't even offer it to you they're just there i didn't get a sticker um but you did when they gave you tits i got two stickers they stuck them on each tit a little smiley and it face says, excuse me my face is up there <laughs> yeah they give you they give you a set of nipple tassels when when you when you leave <laughs> and they say do this every day it will it will help i can't wait to experience this it's, it's a lot there is a lot of discomfort um 
but it's worth it. It's, it's good discomfort. It's like, ouch, Are you still I feel great. experiencing physical discomfort, or is that also no, 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 not at all, not at all. I'm a natural woman now, Pete. Mm. Well, for the audio listener, they look killer. Thank you. And the video viewer, I can't see them because I'm wearing a big baggy T-shirt and a there's... modesty tee. A modesty tee, yeah. Uh, you know, there you go. Oh, there they are coming <laughs> out to I, play. Um... Yes, for the listener, uh, I just fully exposed my naked tits to everyone on the web. She really did. Oh, I'll tell you what I did today. I bought a very, 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 very cheap um, jar of coffee. <laughs> like, one of the cheapest <laughs> I was, jars of coffee I was that on you can get. Oaks waiting for <laughs> what the noun at the end of the sentence was going to be. I was thinking, like, oh, is it going to be, like, a new car? Did you buy, like, a second-hand dress? No, it is a jar of really shite looking instant coffee it's tesco brand classic mellow and smooth it is rainforest alliance certified um but yeah i'm not a coffee snob in fact i'm the complete opposite i like coffee i'm a utilitarian coffee drinker like it it does something to me you know it keeps me awake but um I don't care about all those flavors and like beans and shit. Like, I so basically, I just I buy it, I empty it into a Tupperware box, and then I keep the jar for paintbrushes and things like that because I'm I'm a bit I mean, crafty. How much do you think patrons would pay to hear you talk about your coffee consumption <laughs> process? Not even consumption. We'll have to wait and like, see, won't store, we? Store, like how you store it. And we wanted to give a special shout out at the top of today's podcast to our 100th follower on Twitter, our 100th little piss pig in the pen. That's right. It's at Curious Scudder, Jack Garfinkel. We stand Jack Garfinkel. Garfinkel, was it? <laughs> I legit stand that name. I think both the, the Twitter handle Curious Scudder and Garfinkel as a surname are just, I mean, we couldn't have hoped for more from our 100th piss pig. And also, strangely, Finkel is related to our film today, right? Finkel is Einhorn, Einhorn is Finkel. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves with spoilers here, Jen. I just wanted to say, but but listen, thank you for being our 100th follower. Congratulations. Oh, my God. What does it mean, P? What do they get? They get this lovely shout-out, which is... Worth more than any monetary reward, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean, really worth it. <laughs> I feel very supported in my statement. Thank you. For any other aspiring piss pigs out there who want to get a bit more involved, we do have a piss pig pen formally set up now in the form of a Discord that you can find on our Twitter feed. Or if you just email translobbypod at gmail.com, maybe we'll send you an invite if you're really nice to us. But it's a good place to go if you just want to talk all things related to the pod. Or maybe you're a trans person who wants to chat with other trans people. We have a lovely little community burgeoning at the Piss Pig Pen and we welcome newcomers. I mean, you do. I don't. I've got a very strict entrance policy when it comes to the Discord. You have to prove your, your Piss Pig pigginess to me. Uh, yeah like you you start off as a piss piglet and maybe you can graduate to being a full-on piss pig maybe we should have the piss pig of the week what was their name again p was jack garfinkel at curious scudder so jack garfinkel at curious scudder is the piss pig of the week and maybe we can make a little photoshop of them 
Uh, <laughs> uh, but maybe we won't. But maybe, but we'll we'll do something to celebrate Piss Pig of the Week. Okay. Yeah, and if I like the idea if that we could have a Piss Pig of the Week every week. And if you want to be Piss Pig of the Week, you know, send us an email, get involved in the Discord, maybe make a little meme, or engage with us somehow to some to prove that you are yeah. truly worthy of being called the Piss Pig of the Week. Give us a reason to make you Piss Pig of the Week, okay? We're not a charity here, all right? We all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So, P, how did you enjoy this amazing film? I didn't, Jen. I really didn't. Ace Ventura Pet Detective is maybe the film I enjoyed least out of any film in recent memory. I'd never seen it before. Strangely, had you ever seen it before? What's your relationship with this film? Well, Pete, when I was a kid, this was my favourite film. It was definitely one of my favourite films, probably alongside, like, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and, like, things like that. And that is actually a great movie, but this movie was my absolute favourite. I had it on VHS, taped off of the TV. I also had Ace Ventura Pet Detective 2. And I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world, you know? He's, like, talking out of his bum and, like running around in a tutu i just thought it was hilarious and then i've probably seen it probably about 50 times honestly and as i've gotten older i've slowly 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 realized just how big of a piece of shit it actually is and how actually not funny it is and how much of an absolute idiot child i must have been to be honest with you because well, this absolute is the trash. thing because all trans representation aside i just think it is such a poor sort of arrival for Jim Carrey as a film star, because that's what it is. To put it in context, the guy's been around on national television on In Living Colour for a couple of years. People kind of know him as this sort of like once in a generation physical comedian. And he's done a few bit parts in films, but they want to give him mm. starring vehicles. So this year, 1994... They start with this film, uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. A couple months later, The Mask comes out. And a couple of films after that, Dumb and Dumber comes out. All three of those films are within the top 20 grossing films of the year, with only those three credits to his name ends up being the 13th highest grossing film actor in America of that year. Just to put it in context of how big a cultural moment this film was, and the fact that this film is not just the most, or was not just the most mo prominent moment of trans representation most people were going to, uh, to see that year it was probably the only moment of trans of trans representation people were going to see that year see the mask is like although parts of it haven't really aged well and stuff it still is like undeniably like an interesting visual good film right like people still love the mask and um dumb and dumber is legitimately like a great movie like really really funny people I say think, that anyway and once again i've not seen either of those two films but what really struck me is that this is the one that came out first because it feels so so blatantly crafted as a star vehicle for jim carrey like to the point that no other character really even gets a joke in for the most part like it is so much just like look at this guy look at his persona this is who the comedian of this generation is and I think it's interesting well, what... that you mentioned. I think it's interesting that you mentioned Pee Wee's Big Adventure uh, as one of your other favorite childhood films because I think they're trying to do similar things in that they're trying to invite you into this sort of like indefinable magical man-child persona who exists on his own terms. But for me, 
Pee-wee's Big Adventure is a lot more successful in that because the world around Pee-wee sort of matches the tone of it, or at least when he's out of step with the tone, there's an acknowledgement of it. Whereas here, it feels like Ace Ventura is this, like, like he has no social graces whatsoever. He's just constantly doing shtick and pulling faces and saying weird one-liners and existing in his own world. And no one ever acknowledges it to like at the most they will like mildly shake their head. I think like Einhorn is the only character who's like actively annoyed by him at any stage. And to me, the fact that the movie at no point bends to his madness kind of just made it feel so uneven and so strange. Like, I mean, this kind of star vehicle for a comedian, I don't think you really see it anymore. But when you did see it back in the day, like when... For example, you'd see a movie like The Jerk made for Steve Martin. It would be filled with supporting cameos from great comedians from, you know, TV or like theater actors who all had their little moment. And not only does it give other people a chance to shine and the lead actor someone to play off of, it creates a world for them to thrive in. Because to me, this whole thing just feels like this bizarre vacuum with a really irritating sort of man-child at the centre. I don't know. Is it a vehicle from Saturday Night Live? Like, was Ace Ventura like a Saturday Night Live character or some kind of sketch show character that... that, Because it feels like that kind of bizarre sort of thing that's like... It feels like an idea that would be funny in a sketch. Like, oh, he's a pet detective. Like, that's funny. A funny division of the LAPD or something. But they've stretched it out into, like, two movies. And so much so that, like, when you first watch it, you're like... I don't really understand what's happening. I don't understand what a pet detective is. I don't understand who he works for. <laughs> I don't understand what he's doing, where he gets information from. Like, And I know that's not the point of the film, but what I'm saying is it's just like a really, 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 really slim sort of like plot, isn't it? Like there Exactly, is like because it's, it's like you say, none of those points of context have been filled in at all. Like they don't even fill in the logical gap of does he work formally with the uh, police department or is he kind of like an informant who, who you know, consults with them or whatever? He seems to just be this sort of like semi-unwanted presence among their offices, though some of them are fine with him there, though no one's laughing at his shtick. So we're just supposed to accept that as like the way he interacts with the world. I don't know. I kind of want to start from the top of the plot where we introduce to him as he's dressed as a sort of postal delivery worker undercover and he calls up to deliver a fragile parcel that he's throwing around, even though it's fragile. That's the funny joke here. Can I be honest with you, though, Pete? I actually like that bit. <laughs> like, that bit I, to like, me I was think... funny because he was so deadpan about it. It was one of the few bits that I thought had something to it. There's some good, like, physical box-destroying comedy in that in that first five minutes, you know. I like the bit where he gets in the lift. And you and know the thing or two about physical it. box destruction, what? Oh, sorry. Doesn't I, even work. Doesn't even work. It it works, Pete, it does. But um, you know, Jim Carrey is a really funny physical comedian, but he's also like a scary, creepy guy as well. Like he's got those two things going on in the same way that Robin Williams did and stuff and like later on in his career that's why he's done so many roles where he's an absolute creep that's not gone like that's still in this film like it's just if if it was a real if it was the real world everyone would be totally creeped out by his actions you know like he is like an absolute sociopath in it 
Well, that's the thing. That, to me, is why it's so important from the get-go that they define what this world is. Like, is everyone else in the world at his level? But no, everyone else in the world seems to be a very thinly drawn but ostensibly ordinary human being. Like, he saves that. So anyway, he goes to deliver that parcel and the guy he's delivering it to has a dog that Ace Ventura goes to pet and then sort of takes from the guy and we get the context that Ace Ventura was actually undercover saving this for a woman and he's driving this uh this sort of sports car that the guy then chases him down and smashes in the windshield and to me the whole opening where you see you meet ace ventura for the first time and it sort of contextualizes what he does for a living how he dresses how he acts it felt like the beginning of an episode of queer eye where you see the sort of person who's being made over going about their life like i feel like there's a good supercut to be made where you cut him like you with the caption like Jen, Ace's friend, and you're going like, I mean, the guy's charming. He just needs some help with his style. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I mean, actually, I think Ace's style is pretty on point with like what queer I would probably put him in. <laughs> Do you know? What well, I, mean? I like, think I, I, th- like... I can so imagine Tan France congratulating him on his collection of bold Hawaiian shirts, but saying that Absolutely. we're going to find a way that works for him. Uh, at home or the club the trousers he might swap out but he's definitely going to keep the hair as it was you know you've got some great pieces in your closet that's what they'd say like there's a scene where you get to see ace's bathroom which i'm sure we'll probably come on to later but if you look one thing that really caught my eye in that scene is his cabinet like he's got a lot of different products in that cabinet he's got hair gel he's got moisturizers i think the queer eye guys would be more than pleased with him actually to be honest with you well he is making deliberate stylistic choices and we stand that as a starting point it's just a matter of redirecting his energy the other interesting thing about the sort of general context of him as a character here is we see that when he delivers the dog back to its rightful owner she rewards him by throwing herself at him and they go at it voraciously. So right from the get-go, it is establishing the impossible narrative that this guy not only fucks, but fucks regularly as part of his day-to-day career. Well, this is what I was going to say to you, is that, you know, we talked about in Private P about Woody Allen a little bit this week, and we were kind of talking about how in all of his movies, he plays this, like, loser, essentially, but, like women love him anyway and like you were saying like you know they throw themselves at him and stuff like that that's kind of what it's like with this it's like ace ventura he's like an absolute turn off beyond belief like i can't imagine anyone actually finding him attractive or at least finding his actions attractive or the way he speaks attractive but yet you know that woman absolutely throws herself at him and i'm a bit confused by that scene as well because I think when I was a kid, I definitely didn't understand what was happening in that scene. I thought that, like, she was pulling his legs around. <laughs> and then, obviously, she's giving him a blowjob, right? That's what's insinuated in that scene. I think that's the implication, yeah. To be honest, I wasn't watching it with eagle eyes. I was just kind of making the note, this guy fucks? Get out of here. Like, <laughs> does he? Because that's what I'm trying to figure out, because it, it's the weirdest blowjob I've ever seen. Like, he basically is but... holding, a, like, a railing, and then he's, like, going like this. <laughs> like, he's, like, fly, flailing around. And oh, you can see he the fucks. top of he his just jeans. Fucks, he just fucks in a physically amusing way. But he fucks like the the film is so desperate to tell its audience. And this is what I thought was just wild because it's it's clearly a film aimed at kids. 
But it is I think so... it's like a PG, isn't it, or something? It might be a 12, but it's definitely for kids. Like, I think a kid is meant to, like, look at this and think, like, oh, he's the kind of, like, cool, funny, older brother I wish I had kind of energy. Is that it's going mm. for. But, like, it's so keen. We'll come on to another sex scene he has later. But also, like, all the the sexual stuff surrounding the trans character we're going to meet later. Like, it is just a very self-consciously sexual movie in a very weird way. But he's supposed to be, like, an animal, isn't he? He's, like, an animalistic guy because well, he loves if, animals. If Karamo got a chance to sit him down, he'd say, maybe the real <laughs> pet you've been searching for this whole time is inside of yourself, and you need to tame that beast. I liked the bit when, like, the sort of grumpy guy, I guess it's his landlord, was like, you better not have any pets in there. And then right? there's no pets. And then he like whistles and then all the pets come out. That is a fun scene. Like that's, it's that fun was to my see favorite all pets pet in the film. I think, firstly, Especially the... the penguins out of the freezer. That was amazing. Yeah, the, all the animals sort of stampeding into his apartment, almost like it's the sort of domestic version of the opening of The Lion King. That was really funny. But the, to go back to the landlord, I mean... That, that sort of sets up the entire jeopardy of the movie, that Ace Ventura owes this dude a bunch of rent and he mentions some albino pigeon that he's searching for and once he gets hold of that, he'll have enough money to pay his, his rent back. And the landlord is totally fine with that, which is not reflective of real life at all. And then when he says, like, oh, you better not have any pets in there, his inspection is that he stands in the doorframe and, like, glances around the apartment for four seconds and then leaves. I mean, this guy does not care, but he is the cornerstone of the entire Jeopardy and stakes. Because when I was a kid, I didn't really understand. Well, now that I realise, I didn't really understand any of this movie. I didn't know what was going on. I, I didn't understand American football culture. I didn't understand why he just likes when he talked rings. to his I liked that bit, yeah. And I would do it at school. I'd be like, I'm talking through my bum hole. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't understand any of it. And I still don't really. And that tank is too small to house a dolphin. Like, no wonder the dolphin left. You know, it's like, it's tiny. I feel like when they were writing this, they were trying to kind of go for a sort of Chinatown-esque thing where it's like the plot is really... Conf no, honestly, I really do. It's Because it's, it is like an... The film is a noir movie. It's like really over-the-top, stupid plot with lots of twists and turns. It's like it doesn't go anywhere. It's like it's really convoluted, but intentionally it just unlike Chinatown, it does wrap up at the end. So it's better than Chinatown. Well, it's definitely trying to be convoluted. Like there are bits where Jim Carrey goes through sort of like chunks of exposition, which are like designed to sort of intentionally show how all over the place the plot is. Mm. I mean, for Forget it, Jen. It's Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. But when, when, at that point, when Ace then comes in for a briefing with Forget Melissa, it, P. It's Chihuahua Town. There's no Thank Chihuahua you. in the film, but it is an animal, so I'll accept it as an operation. Forget it, P. It's Chinchilla Town. Nice. I like that one because it made me feel more luxurious. Are you sure there's not a chihuahua in it? There might be. I didn't there's notice a lot of animals in that There might scene. be. There are, yeah, there's a lot of animals. I'm not going to nail my colours to the mast on that one. I know we're here to kind of talk about the the trans element of this movie. And it's like notorious, right? Like people 
talk about it as being this like shocking thing even i've even heard people who don't even consider themselves quite liberal like on various podcasts and stuff talking about this movie in a way where they're like actually to be fair like it is pretty transphobic because surprise surprise it actually really is like it's kind of shocking really even now like even as many times as i've seen it and i don't know if i've forgot to mention but i've seen it about 50 times i'm kind of an expert on the movie um it's still it's kind of fucked up because i can like there's lots of movies that i can watch that have little like transphobic jokes in them and stuff and i can kind of like get past it and like laugh it off but i feel like the way that it's done in this one is so sort of over the top and kind of hateful that it's like difficult to really save the movie in my opinion like i just i'm done with it p i've turned my back on it you know well, I'm so glad to hear that because it is utterly like the last five minutes or so of this film. It's it's just it's not just transphobic. Like I knew going in that there was a sort of transphobic, you know, gender reveal or outing of the trans character. But the way in which it's done is so dehumanizing and so debasing and so ugly that I just couldn't believe they got away with it even in 1994. I think the only thing that justifies it is that it it is a direct parody of the crying game and when i say justifies it i mean like would have justified it in 1994 to the people making this film is that it's a parody of a recent well-known oscar nominated film because otherwise it just it feels now like just the most hateful sort of gratuitous transphobia possible well scenes of it are a direct reference to the crying game like the whole like so this is the thing the whole bit where he like finds out like you know to use the phrasing of the film like einhorn is a man and then he like brushes his teeth and showers and burns his clothes like to be honest with you i don't have a problem with that as much like they're playing the crying game music that is like a clear pastiche of the crying game and in fact like what he's doing isn't too dissimilar to what happens in the crying game right we've talked about that him like vomiting in the toilet and stuff it's just he really Stephen raised of... the fuck out of it yeah 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 but in terms of the ending which is just kind of shocking it's that's got nothing to do with the crying game and like the plot well, of einhorn and all this kind of stuff the, it's got nothing to do with the crying game like that is literally just like not to go too deep into it because most people have seen ace ventura but like at the end they find out that Einhorn is Finkel, Finkel is Einhorn, whatever. At what point, P, did you... Well, I guess you already knew, didn't you? Because you knew that this was like a trans movie or whatever. But having never seen it before, um, at what point in your life were you aware of this movie? And, like, has it affected you in any way? I remember being at a birthday party when I was maybe nine or ten. And someone's older brother had this on sort of in one of the rooms and it was like one of the options of a film to go and watch but i remember by that stage i'd somehow like maybe on the plate it must have been just through the grapevine on the playground already heard that the reveal is she's a trans woman now obviously that's not the vocabulary we used at the time but i knew what the reveal was but even as a nine or ten year old i knew i had this part of my identity there I didn't know how to address it I didn't know exactly what it was but I knew I did not want to see it played for laughs I knew I didn't want to see a character belittled or in any way sort of seemingly exposed 
for that. So, like, that's what's weird for me is, like, I remember having this weird sort of um, two-mindedness about the movie. It was like... Because when I was a kid, I was really sensitive to anything that had anything resembling, like, a trans character in it because I just was smart enough to know that that's sort of me and, like, I would imagine that that's... Like, just even knowing that that was, like, a possibility, you know? I mean, especially in this movie, like, one of the things that I took away from it was, like, wow, you can go from, like, being, like, a huge American football player like that to being, like, Einhorn. I was like, wow, like, there is, like, hope in the world, well, right? right? I mean, like, seeing this film for the first time now and knowing that Einhorn was the trans character, like, it's played for a reveal here, but going into it equipped with that knowledge, as soon as she came on screen, I was thinking, like, what hormone regime is she on? Yeah. Has she had facial feminization surgery? Like, who is her surgeon? Because the bitch is a fucking smoke show. How did you get your hands so small, Einhorn? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's pretty amazing. But, um, so I would have this thing where it's like, I'd really, I really enjoy it as a kid, like the first sort of three quarters of the movie. And then at the end, I just would feel so uncomfortable about it even then like I never found the ending funny and I remember like never wanting to really watch it around my family and stuff just even though like they had no idea but I didn't want to hear what they would say about it because that would like you know just reinstill fears in me and stuff so yeah it was tricky it was tricky even when I was a kid watching it and I do still find it disturbing honestly and i know a lot of people are going to be like oh you know it's just a film like it's just a stupid comedy they didn't know any better all this kind of stuff but you know there's a lot of daft comedies at the time that use a trans character as a foil like as someone to make fun of and i can handle pretty much most of them you know they're all kind of just boringly written stupid jokes that like it's like no big deal but this one in particular is so like mean with it, you know, it's so like hateful that it's just kind of hard to watch, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the context of it is not just that Einhorn, well, the quote, as you said, Einhorn is a man, Einhorn is Finkel. The idea that, you know, this person used to be known as Finkel was a very successful and beloved athlete and then, you know, essentially had a mental break and then, you know, I think in the film sort of steals the identity of a missing person. Like, it's all framed within malice and it's all framed within deception. None of it is giving her in any way the benefit of the doubt. I mean, for the benefit of the listener, we find out that Einhorn is the one who's responsible for all these crimes. And the way Ace Ventura puts it together is by realizing that Einhorn is the same person as uh, as Finkel, the the missing football player we were talking about from earlier. And he exposes this to everyone else by going down to her sort of hideout where she's at this point taken Dan Marino hostage because she's wanting to get revenge on him for everything that happened between her. She has the dolphin mascot there. And Ace Ventura, there's a lot of like holding people at gunpoint and everything. And then Ace Ventura says, you know, this is a man and sort of goes to rip her hair off first and then realizes, oh, that's her real hair. And then goes well and rips her shirt open and makes some comment about how you can get those results like those from a, a two-day surgery 
and then you can actually get it's actually one day to be honest like now well there like, you mine go was like a, mine was a day it was an afternoon actually and like i said i got soup so yeah you're a regular einhorn the most gender affirming soup you ever had <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then when he sees that she ostensibly looks in every way like the woman she is he then decides to unveil her genitals and he rips her skirt off and she's tucked tight and everyone is just sort of staring thinking well what's going on here that's clearly a woman but then Dan Marino who's got a view from behind whispers in Ace Ventura's ear penis inspector Dan Marino (laughs) penis inspector extraordinaire Dan Marino (laughs) notices the remnants of her tuck from behind and Ace Ventura grabs her and flips her around so everyone can see her tuck. And that to me was the image that I just could not get over. It was so, in a way, graphic for a kid's film. Well, let me just say that when I was a kid, um, I did not understand what was happening there. I understood that he was unveiling her as a man because they say it frequently. So I understood that level of it. But I feel like the way that I don't feel like they did a lot of research in terms of like tucking and things like that. Unsurprisingly, because when I was a kid, I was convinced that what it was showing us was that she had shit herself because that is what it looks like. It just looks like she shit herself. And I was like, what? I was like, what? How does that relate to her being a man? Do men shit themselves more often or something? Is that? But that's fully what it looks like. It's like it looks like a sort of bag of marbles collected in the seat of her underwear. Like it's (laughs) yeah, it's so weird. But as soon as they all see it, all of the sort of onlooking uh, police officers then pull a Stephen Ray themselves and vom on cue and the crying game music comes back in. Like it's. Even in the context of a broad comedy from 1994 parodying another film, it is heavy-handed. Well, not to get, like, too down and serious on it, but to be honest with you, like, the bit that disturbs me the most in that... Like, obviously, all that is disturbing, and it's not nice to see someone who's supposed to be portrayed also just as, you know, mentally ill. That's kind of, like, what they're trying to portray. Um, Like, suffering in that moment. Like, because as bad as they are, like... What did they do? Steal a dolphin? Like, who gives a shit? Like, um, or uh, they killed one person. We've all done that. Um, but <laughs> they look in genuine distress, actually, during that whole process. And then that is disturbing. But what I found more disturbing is is the fact that it was like, right, because you have now found out as an audience that this is a quote-unquote man, you can now feel okay about the fact that Ace Ventura is going to ostensibly beat the shit out of this person. I could not get over that. Because Be- because that's what starts to happen then. It's like really like like sl- like slamming her head into a post like over and over again. And it's not done in like a comical way as in like, oh, it's a bit of slapstick violence. Like, like he's really like trying to hurt her. Like This is the thing. It's ugly. It's mean. It's as if we as the audience are meant to be sort of like cheering on this sort of heroic display of violence yeah. against someone who who is like the greatest villain of their age. Just because... And then there's a bit when she like falls into the water and then she comes out and he um, scuffs like dirt into her face. And that's like, like, it's like just when you think it can't get any more dehumanizing, like it just goes like one step further to like dehumanize this character so i remember i honestly like not again i hate to get so like heavy about it but i remember being a kid and thinking 
oh, like, trans, like, people hate trans people. Like, like this is a hate thing, you know? This is, like, people will be literally disgusted at me if I ever choose to do this. You know? Exactly. And disgusted. Disgusted to the point of vomiting when they realize your yeah. gender identity and then physically attacking you and being encouraged to physically attack you and to see you as a villain and to see you as mentally ill. I mean, it's the whole it, thing. It ticks every box, doesn't it? Like, that's what's it's... impressive about it in a way. Like, you have to give it credit for the fact that it's taken, like, what is transphobic and it's just literally, like, ticked every box. Like that should be applauded in some way like it's it's definitely like it gets it, it gets his job done really really well <laughs> it is the, it's like, the complete and utter dehumanization of the character like she goes from sort of this powerful in control woman who is ostensibly the villain of the film but she's in control of the situation holding a gun wearing her professional clothes to a man coming in stripping her of her clothes inspecting parts of her anatomy showing them off to people around her who vomit in response to them before he then beats this woman up i mean it is the most immediately dehumanizing thing we've seen and i think it's kind of interesting that for our first three episodes we chose three seemingly disconnected pieces of media and all of them have included some sort of outing or reveal of a penis and i think we you know we should see this canonically as the trans lobby dick reveal trilogy i think with at one level the sensitivity of pose on top of the scale and the other end the complete and utter dehumanization of this at the bottom of the scale with the crying game somewhere in the middle it's hard in the right place but not necessarily doing the right thing yeah well actually i mean like the thing is is like the dick reveal i think it's going to be a lot more than a trilogy because that's something that is just common like that's like the most common way to present a trans character in in most forms of media you know like there's probably like there's actually an untold amount of programs that i've seen that we'll probably never touch on because they're just a bit too niche like you know you're kind of detective crime dramas of the week and stuff like that the x-files like you know like anything i'm not saying the x-files is one but i'm pretty sure x-files has episodes that touch on this subject as well um but where like the reveal of it is like oh look there's this dead sex worker here um oh no don't worry like it's a man like we checked and it's like and then there's like a penis reveal like that's it's just so common like it's such it's, a common thing in media it's from a complete anywhere. Nutter- it's a complete and utter trope, and it speaks to the idea of dehumanization, I think, because whether here it's being used as evidence to vilify Einhorn, or uh, last week it was seen so that Stan could fetishize a part of Angel's body, I mean, those are two sides of the same coin, fetishization and violence. They're both born out of obsession, I think, and it does reflect this that trope of the dick reveal does reflect this weird societal obsession with trans women's dicks and i know that there's going to be people who are like thinking like come on it's just a comedy it's silly it's of its time and all that kind of stuff and usually i'd be able to kind of make that distinction if it was just like 
a co an offhanded comment or a bad joke or whatever because there's lots of them you know like airplanes got it like loads of films like that have it and i i don't even think about them but this one in particular i think it's so affecting to me just because as i say honestly when i was a kid it was one of my favorite movies and it's just interesting i find it kind of like psychologically interesting that i watched it so much because i apparently loved it um whereas I know that the film also was damaging to me as a child, like 100%. So I wonder if that I was just watching it a lot, not just because I did genuinely find parts of it funny, but also because, like, I kind of wanted to be sure that, like, I was making the right decision by, like, not coming out sort of thing and not telling anybody, right? Because, as I said, this film acts as, like, a warning to anybody who kind of thinks that they're trans at the time. Well, as you say, films like this could be dismissed as a silly comedy, but they have an enormous far-reaching impact. That's why I was so keen to set up all that cultural context at the beginning, that this is the star vehicle for one of the hottest comedians in the country, if not the world. It is one of the highest grossing films of the year. It's considered in many circles for the ensuing few years a comedy classic. You know, like I said, it was on at a birthday party when I was a kid. It's going to reach people that the filmmakers had no intention of reaching and had no idea how affecting that their work was going to end up being. How did you watch the movie, P? Did you watch it on Netflix? I found it on Netflix, yeah. And there you go, it's still, it's still on Netflix. You know, they're so keen to take a stand against certain things that are wider talking points in the media, but a film like this that has such a problematic portrayal of a trans character at its core... They'll keep it up there until someone comes for them, I guess. Well, that's why I was asking you, because I didn't watch it on Netflix, but I'm aware that it's on Netflix. So I was just wondering if, like, if it had one of those, like, warnings at the beginning or, like, anything like that. Did, did it have anything like that? I didn't notice one. I'm sure this is why I have it in my head that it's a 12, because I think I just saw that it had a 12s rating, but that was all that I took in. There's certainly no screen that says content warning transphobia or anything like that yeah because it's one of those things that you would think would have it right like I, I i'm not trying to get into a debate about whether or not that's something that is necessary i personally think that it is fine to have those things you know they're just Agreed. just warnings and just making you aware of like cultural changes and stuff but it does surprise me that ace ventura wouldn't have that because it is probably one of the worst sort of depictions of, of a trans person and it's supposed to be a light-hearted comedy and it's just like I, I guess you can I guess people could probably tell that I think it's kind of fucking gross um, and I fully I fully agree with you I think we hold a very similar opinion on this film but I think it's interesting again that it's on Netflix when Netflix has the documentary disclosure on it which has an extended sequence of trans people talking about how and why this scene is problematic and Netflix are, will happily produce that documentary, but at the same time have this sit alongside it in its library. It just seems utterly contradictory to me. And I'm guessing that you haven't seen Ace Ventura 2 When Nature Calls, if, if you have seen this. I have never seen Ace Ventura 2 When Nature Calls and I think I can say with utter certainty that I'm never going to feel the desire to watch it. So it's a shame because it there's some funny scenes in it but in ace ventura 2 there's a scene where ace 
emerges from the anus of a robotic rhinoceros. I heard about that agreed. on the playground quite as well. Funny. Yeah. Maybe I'll yeah, just look up just... that one clip on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to issue an open invitation to Jim Carrey to maybe make a statement on this film's portrayal of a trans character in the year of 2021. I didn't know we could do that. Can I, can I, I would like to issue an, a request to Jim Carrey uh, to come and kiss me. <laughs> and uh, Would you go for through... Carrie if you had the option? Well, well, I mean, three yeah, orgasms through... we saw in this movie. <laughs> well, look, I mean, he claims, he claims that like, oh, we would have done it differently nowadays or whatever. Put your money where your mouth is, Carrie. Come and kiss me. Yeah. Yeah. Kiss, come your and kiss money Arnold, where your Carrie. mouth is. Your money being <laughs> yeah. on Jen's mouth. <laughs> exactly. Put your Canadian lips on my face. And I think with Jen's plea for Jim Carrey to mouth kiss her on the mouth, we can wrap up our review of Ace Ventura, Pat Detective, one of the grossest little films I've ever seen. It does have a lot of cute animals in it, but it do- but I would say that it doesn't actually even have enough cute animals in it. They, they could exactly. Have actually, animals could have featured more in the plot. Yeah, more animals. Just in scenes where more they have to wacky supporting watch characters like. To me, the, the key problem is that they were just so hell-bent on making this a star vehicle for Jim Carrey at the cost of everything else in the film, not just the trans representation, but the comedy doesn't hold up because there's no supporting players to fortify it. There's no sense of a world built outside it. I've said it all before, but man, this movie sucks. It does suck. But P, let's be positive. Let's end on a positive note. What animal based movie would you recommend over this that is devoid of uh, horrific transphobia the rex harrison dr doolittle lovely and mine is going to be dunston checks in which is about a, a monkey called dunston who slam dunk of a choice <laughs> absolute slam dunk two lovely animal based films with no transphobia at either end of your taste spectrum but the whole family can enjoy either of those films i would say uh, although Dunstan is massively homophobic, but there's no transphobia, hey. so it's okay. It's 90s <laughs> he doesn't let gay gays panic. in his hotel. <laughs> what the decade was built on. So, Jen, there was something we discussed on the podcast last week that I'd like to continue, if you wouldn't mind. I have a little voice clip to play for you. Okay, let's hear this voice clip, please, P. Hi Jen, Barbara here. I'd like to officially welcome you to the House of Deneen. All P has told me about you, I feel your family already, girl. So, I would really like to meet you on our Emerald Isle. Cade Mila Mila Forturoj, a Jen, a Jen. But for now, sachet away. It's only Barbara wow, Deneen. That was amazing, P. Your mum is an icon and so yeah, it's lovely. A, f- a formal invite to join the House of Deneen. What does that mean, joining the House of Dedeen? What do I get? I think it's just linking into last week that we were talking about, uh, you were asking if my mother would adopt you and she was listening back. So I think that's just her formal invitation more than anything. Does that mean I'm allowed to come over and like have a cup of tea? Yeah, least? we have a floor you can sleep on. Oh, okay, great. You've got, you're terraformed. That's exciting. Um, your your mum sounds so lovely, honestly. She sounds so nice. 
She's a damn good egg and a great ally to the whole queer community, as you can see from her signing off that message with sachet away, despite us yes. not having discussed RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> Yet. She's going to live to regret that message, though, because I take that as an absolute legally binding adoption certificate. So I'm coming and I'm going to live there for a bit. So I think she kind of low-key wants that, to be honest. Like, she yeah. was joking, but she is the one who suggested she do that. Like, I'd like to make it clear, I did not ask for her to record that. So if you want to have any further connect, like, uh, chat with my mom, I can give you her number. But I'd rather <laughs> not serve as the conduit for you two in your ongoing relationship on this podcast. Thank you for the message, Barbara. You're a star. What a heartwarming moment. <laughs> Speaking of people getting in Sorry, touch. Sorry, mother. Right. <laughs> Speaking of people getting in touch, we have our first email, assigned email at birth. Now, given everything we've discussed on this podcast the past couple of weeks, all the trans issues we've gotten into, all of the media depictions we've delved into, what do you think, Jen, the subject of this email is? Um, It's probably, is it to do with how hot I am? Because that's what I asked people to send in. The subject line simply reads Stolen Shiny Dragonite. And it reads Hello, ladies. OG listener, first time writer, self proclaimed piss pig. I thought I'd drop you a line to shed some light on the Pokemon card mopping mystery. As far as I'm aware, the culprit was his cronies. In a well-thought-through masterstroke, they waited until rugby training had started and then raided the changing rooms. I believe they were forced to return their loot, but some of the more valuable cards may have been conveniently misplaced. For balance, and not to defame his character fully, once made us a pretty excellent bread-and-butter pudding. Anyway, episode 2 was excellent. Signed, John Deneen. Could my family please let me have my own podcast? I appreciate the support. (laughs) But when our one email and one listener interaction come from members of my family, I mean, I will not be surprised if we have Paddy Deneen chiming in on Transparent next week. I love it, though. Oh, wait, what's this over here? Oh, my God. It's an email from my nan from Beyond the Grave. <laughs> what does she have to say? Oh, Jen. I actually like your transition now, and I agree, your podcast is fabulous. Signed, Edna. (laughs) Goodbye, I must go back to hell. (laughs) Bye, Edna. See you in hell. Bye, Edna. See, it's not just your family that get involved. Sometimes my family gets involved too. I know, and Edna's input is always valued, as is the input of all (laughs) of our piss pigs. As we set up the top, we have a Discord now, which you can find on our Twitter or you can email us at translobbypod at gmail.com. Please Jen, email us. We can't just please. have Peace family on, doing guys. it. <laughs> we, we're giving you a lot of stuff for free here, and all we want is the tiniest bit of interaction. Just type up an old-fashioned email like we used to do in the early noughties. You know, sign it Maybe kind regards, sign it best, coldly sign it regards if you want to, you know, imply some sort of passive aggression. But a nice old-fashioned email would not go amiss. Do you think that might be the issue, P, is that, like, all of our listeners are, like, young bucks. Like, they're kind of, like, trendy, TikTok-using, 
Gen Zers, and actually they don't even know what email is. I think that is definitely the problem. I think we've, you know, hit right to the heart of Gen Z here, and in doing so, have alienated all millennials, all boomers, and everyone in between. You know, all we're left Listen with is up, Gen kids. Z. Listen up, kids. Contact us through the DM feature on Minecraft and we will reply to you. <laughs> That's what we need, P. We need a, a TikTok account or something like that. Do some dances for the kids. Yeah, but the ghost of your dead nan haunts TikTok even more than email. I mean, she'll just never leave us alone. Listeners can find the show on Twitter at TransLobbyPod. You can find me at P Dinny, P like the vegetable, D-I-N-N-Y. Where can our listeners find you, Jack? They can find me on Twitter at Jen Ives Comedian, or you can find my Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Jen Ives. And it's a Patreon worth subscribing to. Jen puts out a lot yes. of great content. But for I now... out too much. She works herself too hard. They should pair her hero's wage. <laughs> but for now, we'll bid you a fond goodbye until next week. Bye, piss pigs. Bye, you pissy little dirt pigs. <laughs>